Ephesians chapter 5. But we are in a very, uh, very wide and deep section in verses 18 to 21. And we've been working our way through it. So let's read 18 to 21 and ask the Lord to teach us. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Father, this is so crucial for a a child of yours to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe no time greater than today. But my Lord, this is a work of you. And uh, I pray that we who have ears to hear will bow before your book and say, Father, amen and amen. Let us understand this command. Father, let us have a joy in our heart. Father, let us give thanks to you for all things. And Father, let us be subject to everyone. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, This is an interesting text. I don't care what anybody says. I've been dealing with it. I told you it starts off with a contrast that embraces a command. The contrast is being drunk with wine or filled with the Spirit. That is the contrast. The command is to be filled with the Spirit. The means is the Spirit of the living God. Okay, Then it has an effect. There are consequences to it. It affects us individually. We have great joy in our hearts that we will have a new song in our hearts that we'll sing forth to the Lord in uh, darkness and in light in trials and in blessings. But we also understood that when I am filled with the Spirit, then the Spirit is that that is in control of me. He is moving me. He is controlling my attitude, my actions, my mouth, my heart, my uh, reactions. And in doing that, I'll give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ, even the Father, in all things. In all things. And what we've been working on is being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay? I'm still going to belabor this one. 522 through 69, he's dealing with basically what does it mean to be subject to one another. And he deals with all of it through that. His main thing is the family. I have never met a person in my life that is not subject to someone or something. In some cases, they it becomes idolatry. This becomes more anything that's more important than God. That's what this... It can be a thing. It can be a person. It can be people. But we will put ourselves in subjection of it. Paul here is using the family to illustrate what does it mean to be submitted. 
submitted. As a spirit-filled believer, we must all have this submission. I was dealing on unity this morning that Jesus prayed for in the Lord's Prayer in John 17. And that unity comes by the sanctifying work. Sanctify them with your word. Your word is truth. And that's, there's no plan B. I remember Charles Spurgeon one time was asked by a secular reporter there in London, which is more important, to pray or be in the Bible? And he smiled at the reporter and said, which is more important, to inhale or to exhale? Okay, and you're like, there you go. Next question. <laughs> All right. See, I'm not the only sarcastic person. But it's, it's, it's funny as long as I've been a pastor, as long as I've been a brother in Christ. It's funny how we know how others are to submit, but we don't do so well with ourselves. You know, this person here, we would get along well if they would just submit. Or if my wife would submit like the Bible says she's supposed to. Or just go down the list. And, and it's funny, we always know how the other person needs to submit. And uh, very seldom do we know how we are to submit. What does our own submission look like? And that's what we've started into. Romans chapter 13 shows us how we are to submit to the government. First Peter, the whole book of First Peter deals with submission to the government. 1 Timothy chapter 2 explains to us how we are to submit in the church, the house of God. Please understand something here. This little section right here, be subject to one another in the fear of God, fear of Christ, is written to the whole church. Okay, he's not picking out one or the other. And it's it's funny because he could have stopped at 21 and went right into 6-9. But he has to explain what is submission and what does it look like. Can I share with you in the original text in verse 22, it says, wives, be subject to your own husband. Uh, be subject is not in the original text. Okay, it's implied because of verse... 21. But I know everybody left yesterday saying the women are going, see, see, it doesn't say be subject to your own husband. Then don't read Colossians 3.18. Because Colossians 3.18 says be subject to your own husband. It is in the text. (laughs) Okay. So just ignore that one and it'll go away. Okay. This is a sweet text once you get over the initial shock because it is hard for us as Americans to think that I need to submit to anything. And yet, you probably can't even really comprehend how much of your life is in subjection to something. Uh, Whether it's the speed limit, whether it is traffic lights or traffic signs, or even that goofy little line in the middle of the highway. Um, I have to be subjected to that. Okay, but your life is controlled by authority and submission. And you don't have as much authority 
as you really like to think you do. But we, we kind of, oh yeah, but I know if I read my Bible right, we are to be subject to one another in a fear of Christ. And that sometimes is hard. This text shows us all at some point that we have to submit to some principle, whether it's in, in any relationship, there is a submitting principle in the relationship. We are in submission. You may be in submission to an employer. In that employer, you may have be submitted to a boss or several bosses. I've worked for the government in the past, and you have several bosses. They are all bosses except you, but it's really funny because they can't make a decision. So that's why I never lasted long working in government. It's like, no, man, you guys need to make up your mind. Okay. My submission was questionable. Okay. And the family. Submission is mutual. It's funny because everybody knows verse 22. Okay. And it's amazing to me that, you know, yeah, a woman submit. But submission is mutual in the family, but it's also mutual in the marriage. The whole dynamic of the marriage is mutual submission. Okay, and it's like I said last week, everyone knows that what a woman is supposed to do and that women are supposed to submit. Okay, but we very seldom we ever have somebody read verse 21 before they tell me that my wife is supposed to submit to me. Because it says, be subject to one another. Be filled with the Spirit. We have to understand then that submission is mutual. Okay, now I'm going to give you some verses. And these are going to hurt your head for a little bit. But hopefully I can paint a real pretty picture and put a nice bow on it at the end of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 to 3. Now concerning the things which you wrote. Okay, they had written, the church in Corinth, believers had written to Paul concerning some things. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. You understand what that means? It's good for a man not to touch a woman. It's real simple. And Paul says it's really good if you don't do that. Why? Any guesses? Temptation. Temptation. Look what it says next. But because, verse 2, of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife. I like that he keeps using that. Own wife. Not everybody else's wife. Own wife. And each woman is to have her own husband. And we all sit there and go, well, that ain't so hard. Duh. Verse 3. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife. And likewise, also, the wife to her husband. Hmm. Well, what does duty mean? Well, I'll let you think about it. See if you can come up with an idea. Okay. I am to take care of her needs. Which one? Her needs. Okay. Please, ladies... I said needs, not wants. Okay. 
I want that because it's a need. Okay. (laughs) All right. And it says what? The woman is to do what? Take care of the duties of her husband. Okay, now look, I want to show you verse 4. This is where I'm springing from. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Got that? You know, it's, it's like that one who said, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, we get into great debate. All right. Who's your neighbor? Anybody that ain't you. Okay, that'd be your neighbor. And when you love yourself, when do you go hungry? When you get cold, you have shelter. You love your neighbor the same way. This text says that when the husband and the wife become one in the marriage covenant, his duty is her Her duty is him, okay, even to the point of physical. It's not depriving one another except for agreement for a time, so you may devote yourself to prayer. Now, I've heard this used before. I'm not sleeping with him because I'm praying. No, you're not, okay? And come back together again so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, Paul is dealing with a nasty situation in the city of Corinth. If you know anything about the historical Corinth, it was a wicked, wicked, wicked place. Okay? And the culture. All right? It is mutual submission. You've heard this before. And the two shall be one. Right? And everybody says, yep, that's what the honeymoon's all about. Ain't got nothing to do with the honeymoon. Ain't got nothing to do with being physical either. I just showed you what it is. I have to take care of the needs of the one that God has given me and vice versa. Now I'm going to give you a little information here and it's free. You put five dollars and get a Starbucks and this is free. Okay. When it comes to this, the oneness It's mutual submission in all things. In all things. All right, it is, and and it's my duty to meet the needs of my wife, regardless whether she meets mine or not. I'll let her and God deal with that. My responsibility is my duty is to her. And I so many times I have seen this, well, she doesn't, or he doesn't. That ain't what that says. It says this is what you do. Mutual submission. This is what it means the two will be one. Okay? They mutually care for one another. Okay? But... There is a headship. All right. And it recognizes the mutual submission. Now, I've seen some guys that are just terrible at this. I've uh, seen some women who are worse than some guys. 
Okay. Marriage and in the family at every point and every aspect there's headship and submission. Okay, so for us of our reasoning and rational minds, how in the heck you pull that off? How can I be submitted if I'm the head? Everything you look at in the world today is based on authority and submission. I don't care what animal kingdom you look at. I don't care what you look at. There's authority and submission. Every form of government, there's authority and submission. Every form of society, there's authority and submission. How does anything get done if we're all submitted to each other? Well, I can't do anything. I'm submitted. Right? Somebody has to leave. Nobody's making a decision. I'm going to stay here because I'm submitted. Okay? God shows us through this text how it works. Now, I want to give you a text. It's evidently become controversial, and I'm not sure why. Well, I do, but uh, that's another story. In the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 28... There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. There you go. And for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, according to the heirs of the promise. Okay? Now, it's amazing some of the stuff that people can get out of that. But just ain't there. Okay? We're one in... Christ. We were looking at that in Jesus' prayer in John 17. That they may be one. If they are one as the Father and I are one, then the world will know who sent us. Okay? Try it. Subject to one another. We are all one in Christ. Alright? This book is a call to oneness. That text in Galatians means that there is no such thing as a second-class spiritual citizen. All right? It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if you're a slave or a free man. You are one spiritually in Christ. Listen, before God, every single one of us, there's one. Okay? I'm not more spiritual than you are. You're not more spiritual than I am. We are identical. We are clothed in Christ's righteousness. When God looks upon you and I, what does he see? Christ. All right? And it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're male or a female, free or a slave. All right? We got that all out of the way? Well, then let me give you an illustration. We are equal in Christ. All right? Please, men... 
you are not spiritually superior to women. Okay? I don't care if you know more Bible. I don't care if she knows more Bible. There is no difference. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I want you to read some. Because this is something that I think we struggle with. How is there authority and submission? And you get anything done if we're all subject to one another. Okay? I shared with you guys a a story, I think it was yesterday, uh, about a... There were 60 elders in a church, and they were building a brand new worship center thing. And when they got it all together, and here we go and all the rest of it, one of the elders says, there's no baptistry. Well, over in our other building, we've got a baptistry, and if we're going to baptize, we'll just take them over there to the other building, and we'll baptize them there. And he says, then how do we call it a worship center if there's no baptistry? Okay, one out of 60 said we need a baptistry. You know what the 59 did? They submitted. They said, let's figure it out. When they got done, the pulpit area is quite a bit higher, and you walk up several steps to it. And when you get up there, all of a sudden you realize that the pulpit is hydraulic. It goes up or it goes down. And it can go down into the platform, and then the platform opens up, and guess what's under the bottom of that platform? A baptistry. And the guy pulled it off. Of course, when you're a mechanical engineer, you know, I can come up with something. It shouldn't be that big at all. So, but if you've ever stood up, I've stood up there, had to do some speaking, and you walk up to it, and the thing is doing this. So the guy who's, whoever's controlling the thing is like, okay, we got a midget up there. What do we got? A basketball player. We just keep raising it back and forth. But you walk up to it and you're like, wow, I'm so nervous. My Bible's going forward. <laughs> okay. Chapter 11, verse 3. I want you to understand. Okay, now listen to this. That Christ is the head of every man. And we get a hearty amen, right? And the man is the head of woman. And all the women go, yeah, yeah. Okay? That's not the part I want to deal with. Okay? What does it conclude with? God is the head of who? Wait a minute. How does that work? Thought you'd never ask. I gave you a verse last week. I'm going to go back to it, and I'll probably keep going back to it until I get over to Ephesians 6, 9. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. Do nothing in selfishness or empty conceit, but in humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. That is subject. I am submitted to others. I am looking at everybody else as more important than myself. Okay? Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Amen. That's good Christian thought. Look what verse 5 says. 
Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. You were given a name centuries ago that was a derogatory name. It's Christian. Christian was assigned to the believers of Jesus Christ, and it was done as a slander. The word literally means little Christ. Paul says, have this attitude. What attitude? Of little Christ. Okay, now think about it for a second. I give you 11.3. What does it say? Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. God is the head of Christ. Have this attitude. But I thought they were one. Everything I've ever studied, there is one God. Right? So how is it that they are one and yet God is the head of Christ? I mean, let's be real here. Shall I give you some text? John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Okay? Sounds kind of straightforward to me. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So they're one. Okay? If if you look... Verse 2 of John's Gospel, chapter 1. He was in the beginning with God. I took a Greek class a long time ago. And I had to translate the chapter 1 of John from the original language. You weren't allowed to use your Bible. I've got it. It's still in there. It sits on my desk. I use it every once in a while. But I had a Greek New Testament And I had to read this stupid thing and translate this thing. When you get to verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. You know what that literally means in the Greek? Face to face. They're face to face. Listen, no one can look upon God. But he was face to face with him. John's gospel. Listen, remember this. The battle's on again, by the way. Jesus never claimed to be deity. Okay, so I'm giving you some reasons to say, what? Chapter 10, John's Gospel, verse 30. I and the Father are one. We are one. 14, verse 11. Believe me. That I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Right? They're equal. They're face to face. Hebrews, the whole chapter 1 of Hebrews, is that God, Christ, is exalted to exact equality of God. So how in the Sam Cain is God the head? Of Christ, if they are equal. How is he the head of Christ? Okay, now listen. 
When I look at the essence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I look at the essence of Jehovah, they're equal. They are the same. Holy Spirit too, by the way. Some of this stuff that's going wrong that you blame, that the Holy Spirit's being blamed for. Okay. Look at the nature and character of God and ask yourself, is that how His Spirit would act? So anyway. It is only in function. Okay. In the function of the Godhead. It was deemed necessary for Christ to submit Himself to the Father. Listen. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit... Before creation, okay, came up with a plan of redemption. He knew you before he created the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All right, but to pull off the plan of redemption, there had to be submission to the authority. Who is the authority? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But God took on the form of man in His Son to pay the penalty for our redemption. And the Holy Spirit seals us and empowers us and protects us from the evil one while we are here serving the saints in submission to one another. So he's already given us a pattern. This is how it's supposed to look. Remember what Jesus said? All authority is given to me where? Heaven and earth. The same Jesus says, my will is to to do the will of him who sent me. Okay? Now, I want you to let, let that go around. Remember what Paul told the Philippians? Yeah, if you get this, man, you'd be walking on water if it's cold enough. Okay? He told the Philippians, this is the mind of Christ. Okay? Considering others more important than yourselves. That's the mind of Christ. Okay, Jesus' mindset was, all authority on heaven and earth is mine. But my will is do the will of He who sent me. Okay, let me ask you a question. What's your will? What is it that you desire? And is it the mind of Christ? To consider others more important than yourself. Listen, when I look at Jesus Christ or Jehovah or the Holy Spirit, spiritually, they are all the same. Absolute equal. In their essence, they are absolutely identical. All three. In their nature, they're absolutely all the same. But God's design, the function demanded the Son to submit to the Father to show you and me humility. Think about that for a second. Let that just kind of rattle around in your head. 
We struggle with humility. And yet God said, my essence shall bow to me and take on the form of man to pay the penalty that they could never pay. That there causes my brain to hurt. That is humility. That's why when the Apostle Paul says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Why? Because that's who you're following. Take up your cross and follow me. Listen. Because God is the head of Christ and he humbled himself in the form of a man and died a terrible death, we don't think less of him. Actually, it makes us think higher of him. The same is true in a marriage. Wow. See why it's a heck of a lot safer to run your marriage by God's standard than it is by, I don't know, cruise conferences, marriage counselors, marriage books, all them other things. Why? Because you are going to have to respond the way God the Father, God the Son responded. And I know we all just do that. I get up in the morning. I'm just submitted, darling. What would you like? And da da da. Yeah, right. We argue in bed. Who's going to get up and make the coffee? It's your job. Submit. It's your job. You submit. Then we ain't having any. <laughs> I made an executive decision. The two are one in marriage. And the same spiritual quality that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one. The same spiritual position before God. When God looks down from heaven, husbands and wives, He sees one. He doesn't say, well, He's smarter than she is, or she's smarter than He is. He doesn't do that. Okay. So, for the function of the family... The woman takes the place of submission for the leadership of the man. Now, I wrote down some things here in my notes, and I thought, man, can you really say this? But you know me. (laughs) If I wrote it down, I must be going to have to say it. God has made man, and he is stronger. Period. If you don't believe me, why is everybody pitching a fit over these male trans who want to get into women's sports? What's the deal there? Why is that a problem if we're all equal? Because I got news for you, we ain't. God made man to do the physical labor. Okay? He is designed. Okay, I want to use a qualifier. Used to be. To carry the brunt of existence. Okay? Not so much anymore. We have, uh, I don't know what's going on. 
God has a perfect design and man says, hey, I can fix it. Okay, and it's man is the stronger. Man makes a lot of most of his decisions are based on rational reasoning. Emotions are there. They are. But I remember not so many years ago, men don't cry. Now they're blubbering idiots. But you don't cry. Why? Because you're a man. Okay, that's the only reason they had to give it. You're a man. Don't cry. Okay. It hurts. It doesn't matter. Don't cry. But men were designed by God to be the brunt of society. Okay? Listen. I know that goes against everything that we have been bombarded with. And I know a lot of it changed in World War II when all the men were gone. And we still needed manufacturing. The women left the house and went into factories. And it's sort of been spiraling out of control ever since. But that isn't the way God designed it. God designed it that the man was the provider and the protector of the home. Okay? The women, by God's design, were designed to be gentle, to be tender. They are loving. You never hear a child cry out for his daddy. He cries out for his mommy because mom is that tender, caring one. The women are to come behind and to support the strength of the man. I have to make a lot of decisions all week long with all kinds of weird dynamics. I will ask females occasionally uh, because I can just, well, this and this, boom. Okay, and they if you ask a woman, she might give you a little nuances here that you don't step on a mine and blow yourself up. Okay, and so I will ask. And of course, you. I, I, every time I do, I hear the emotional side of it. Listen, it doesn't mean that they all start. <laughs> that ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's a tender gentleness that is there that is looking at it in the possibility of, well, will it hurt their feelings? Is there another way it can be said or this, that, or the other? And sometimes I just blow them off and say, you know, I want to hurt them. Let's just do it. Okay. <laughs> if they weren't such a knothead, I wouldn't have to say it. Okay. But there are times that it, it, that's one of the beautiful things about when I hear the two are one. The man has a balance now. But you know what's really cool about it? The woman has a balance. Okay. Instead of just, the guy is there saying, no, man, be cool. It'll work. Okay? That's how it was designed. And that's how God designed it. Remember when he made Eve? All the animals had a mate. And Adam was sitting there doing what? Naming them. (laughs) That's Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe. That's Mr. and Mrs. Hippo. (laughs) That's Bugs and Peter Rabbit. But anyway... He needed a what? A helpmate. You know what is not said? It's not a slave. 
It's not a housekeeper, uh, uh, your private chef. It is someone to help because the man will work by the sweat of his brow till the days he dies. And the woman should be there to help him die. I mean, to help him work. <laughs> See if we can speed this up, buddy. Okay. Women come up behind and support the strength of the man. It is mutual submission. It's the same as Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Same thing. Same, same thing. Mutual submission. Please, it does not negate the headship. Okay, you have a headship and you have a follower. The women should be following. And I know some men, you're like, yeah, I ain't following him any farther. You know how far on the weeds we are? Okay. It doesn't say that. It says, you know what? If that bozo goes off a cliff, you're going with him. All right. Uh, I had a dear friend of mine. His, her husband was killed in a kayaking accident. And, uh, she was young. She was really young, had two young kids. And, uh, and she was, you know, of course, they immediately say, well, you know, you, you need to go to a bigger church. She was in a little mountain town church, and, and you need to go. And, all. I said, and she was talking to me about it. And I said, well, let me tell you something. It ain't like God doesn't know where you're at. And she said, well, yeah. But I said, no. If he knows where you're at, he knows what your needs are. He'll take care of it. And they had a wonderful church. It was a, a phenomenal dynamic of taking care of one another. She met a guy. I don't remember what his name is. But anyway. She met him, and uh, she said, I think we're going to get married. And I said, that's cool. And so I was sitting and talking to her about it, and she and her husband had taken me through a thing called Colossians 2-7 series. It's about a two-and-a-half-year study of uh, different parts of the Bible, and it's based on Colossians 2-7. Long, anyway, Navigators put it out. You can go check it out. It's pretty cool. Anyway, they took me through this, and it was... The first time I ever went through what I would classify as an in-depth Bible study. Okay. You had to do the work. They give you the tools. You had to do the work. So that's what her and her husband, that's how I met him. And now he was dead and she was going to marry this guy who was a young believer. And I'm talking chronologically and quality. And I told her, I said, let me tell you something. You remember when all the things you and Larry went through early in your marriage and da-da-da and all that? Yep. And I said, you know you're going to have to do that again. She said, what? I said, you have to go through those things so your faith is tested. And you come out on the other side of the refiner's fire. You come out on the other side of it pure. You've already been through it. You've been refined. He hasn't. So you get to go with him. Are you sure you want to do that again? And she says, I never thought of that. He has to be the head of the house. So somewhere in there, he has to grow spiritually. And you and I all know, you can memorize the Bible, but until the fire comes, you don't grow. 
Okay, because then that book becomes alive. All right? And they they went through a war. It was kind of ugly. There's still the headship. There's still the headship. But if you're honest with yourself, anybody here had bad bosses? I've already asked this, didn't I? Okay. And has anybody had good bosses? That didn't seem as good. But anyway, <laughs> still looking. Still looking. There's got to be one out there somewhere. Okay. You will, if you go back and look at the good bosses, they were servants. They would never ask their employees to do something that they weren't doing. Okay? And so if you go into the military, you'll see that with the NCOs. You got the officers and the enlisted. Then in the middle of them, you got the NCOs. Everybody likes the NCOs. Why? They're very taskmasters, but they're not going to ask you to do anything they're not doing. Okay? I see that all over the place. The best bosses are the servant bosses. All right? Authority and submission, subject to one another. All right? Why? We are all in Christ. Every one of us is in Christ. You're no better. I'm no better. You're no worse. I'm no worse. We are one in Christ. Now we need to work on considering others more important than ourselves have the attitude that Christ had. Got it? No problem. Let's pray. Father, here we come. (laughs) Uh, Lord, we love you. Thank you so much. Father, uh, as a... feel so inadequate with all the things you've shown me. But, uh, Lord, I pray my brothers and sisters understand this. Understand that the picture that is in the Godhead is the picture that you left for your church, is the picture that you have left for marriage and family. So, Lord, strengthen us because this just goes against everything we know and have been told and are continually being told. So, Father, I pray... That the men will rejoice that women are gentle and tender. But Father, I pray that the women will rejoice that men uh, take the brunt. And sometimes they're blunt. But Father, their strength is from you. And may the women be thankful that God placed in their lives. Father, you made marriage. Let us bow before you, your direction. But Father, let us not negate our headship and let us not negate being subject to one another. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.